The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you along and on board Disability Law Show back here on Global News Radio. Good to have you listening in. Lots of important information for you right now. And I'll give you some contact throughout the show, as we always do, to reach out to Savan and his crew. If you're dealing with a disability insurer, you know someone who is, maybe it's like, hey, they've asked me to appeal for the fourth time. Should I do that? No, you shouldn't. You should call Savan and his crew and get some knowledge and learn a bit, which is what you're going to do every week on this show, the Disability Law Show. Reaching out, as I mentioned, toll-free, of course, is one eight five five eight. 215900. We get to emails two different ways. Actually, you can contact us through your keyboard. That would be help at disabilityrights.ca. And don't forget mydisabilityquestions.com. That is a site absolutely free and anonymous for questions and answers about LTD. Here's how it works you got a question, go to mydisabilityquestions.com. Type it in there. You can search, too, for similar questions. It's got a searchable database, which is an excellent feature. And if your question or one very similar to it has been asked and answered in the past, you're good to go. You can save yourself some time. If not, leave it there, and Savan and a member of his team will get to it really quickly. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com. But let's get going, pal. What do you got off the hop? What's happening? John, I want to start off by talking about an article that was recently written in uh, a a lawyer's magazine, Uh, but it's a very relevant article to what we often talk about here, which is long-term disability. And this article um, touched on uh, um, the barriers for long-term disability claims, not just in Ontario, but just throughout the country in Canada. And of course, we have offices in Ontario, British Columbia, and Alberta, and so we're seeing these issues come up time and time again. And one of the issues is uh, it has to do with mental health claims. But I'm not going to talk about what we usually talk about, John, which is that insurance companies see mental health illness as an invisible injury or invisible illness uh, and, and the issues that arise from there, right? How do you prove that you have depression? How do you prove that you have anxiety and, and all those kinds of things that disable you from working? I want to shift a bit to the treatment because many policies Uh, LTD policies contain provisions that specifically say that in order to qualify or get LTD, you have to be under the active treatment of a medical professional. Mm -hmm. And and so the issue that arises is that unlike, you know, seeing a family doctor, which by the way, is still a problem in some areas uh, of of Canada, in many areas, rural areas, especially mental health professionals are even more scarce. And so what do you do if you have a psychological issue, a mental health issue, and you know you're on a waiting list to see a psychiatrist you're on a waiting list to see a psychotherapist and the point is that you are actually unable to go to work your family doctor may agree with that has has you know referred you to someone or you yourself have uh, um, you know try to put yourself on a waiting list for for a mental health professional but you're not there is it right for the insurance company to deny your LTD claim or to cut you off because you're not getting those kinds of treatments right now. Now that is a debate. My position, the way that I look at it and the way my team looks at it is as long as you are doing everything in your power to try and get those treatments and you are being treated by someone, maybe not a mental health professional, maybe it's your family doctor because you're on a waiting list for a mental health professional, to me, in my mind, that should satisfy the requirement under the LTD policy that requires you to be uh, getting active treatments by a medical professional. 
Again, the insurance company may say, well, you're not getting treated by a professional specific to your problem. In other words, maybe you have a family doctor, but you don't have a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a psychotherapist. But the mere fact that you are doing everything in your power to try and get those treatments, you've gotten yourself on a list, your family doctor has made the referral, and you're simply, you know, waiting to, to get that treatment. But at the same time, your doctor is doing the best he or she can to treat you. To me, that should satisfy the criteria of being under active treatment by a medical professional uh, for the purposes of getting LTD payments. And what I would tell people out there is that if you are denied LTD or if you are cut off payments or told your payments will be cut off because you're not under active treatment, quote unquote, but you are seeing someone that is trying to help you, uh, a, a doctor, then the insurance company ought to continue paying you or ought to approve your claim. And if they don't, you need to get in touch with us so that we can help you. We, we've dealt with many of these cases, by the way. And, I, you know, for the most part, when we're dealing with these cases and when we start these legal claims against insurance companies for unjustly denying these claims, we force insurance companies to pay. They end up paying at the end of the day. Now, every case is different. Every fact scenario is different. So it's very important that if you have a question you reach out to us. Remember, it doesn't cost anything to speak with us, to a member of our team, so we can give you the information you need and so you can figure out what your options are because you always have options when it comes to dealing with an insurance company. It seems like even during these times where, you know, the whole crux of this thing is maybe you can't go see somebody because of COVID-19 or otherwise, it seems like the insurance company is still playing by the insurance company playbook, and that is cut them off, and there's a good majority of people that will not fight and will not stand up because we're the big bad insurance company, and they'll walk away, and they're going to save the money. I mean, it's, you know, I guess it's a good business strategy, but it's not good when it comes to people that are trying to get some benefits. I think that's been the case, John, since insurance was invented, whatever it was, <laughs> probably hundreds of years ago. Uh, you know, insurance companies operate on that same model. Look, I, I regularly, before COVID, used to go to the gym all the time. And one of the things that I noticed, and I'm sure you did too, John, because I know you go to the gym too, or you used to go to the gym, Love to. Uh, yeah. is that many people after after New Year's, you know, when New Year's resolution uh, to get fitter, to, to go to the gym regularly, they would buy a membership. And then slowly they would uh, just fall off the wagon, right? And so that's how many gyms make, make their money, especially the big chain gyms. Uh, they would get you to pay those membership fees and then you end up not going and they make a lot of money because they're getting money for free. They're not providing a service because you're not using that service. I think it's it's a kind of an analogous situation with insurance. You are paying these insurance premiums for a service. Now, the difference with gyms and, and insurance companies, the gyms actually allow you to go in to the gym when you pay for a membership fee. Right. Again, COVID, you know, COVID notwithstanding. With yep. insurance companies, many, many claims are denied. Now, sometimes they're denied correctly, but many times, especially with long-term disability, we see time and time again that people are denied incorrectly. The insurance companies are simply wrong. Are they doing it on purpose? Are they not doing it on purpose? Is it a mix of the two? I don't know. I think sometimes they do it on purpose. I can That's at least my opinion based on some of the things that I've seen, some of the egregious denials that I have seen for long-term disability claims. Uh, but the reality is, that when an insurance company takes your premiums, they have now obligated themselves to pay you whatever it is that you've purchased by way of insurance, whether it's LTD, house insurance, car insurance, health insurance, whatever it is, they have to pay you if you qualify under the contract of insurance that you purchased. And that's what people need to understand. When you get a denial by an insurance company, you have a right to enforce your rights under 
the contract of insurance you bought. So, you know, don't do the, 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 the thing, you know, like, like, you know, with people who buy these gym memberships and fall off the wagon. If an insurance company denies your claim, don't walk away. Don't walk away letting the insurance company keep the money that they owe you. At least find out what your rights are, what your options are, and then make an informed decision if you want to proceed forward or not in making the insurance company pay you what you're owed. Again, reaching out to Savannah anytime, toll free. As you know, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. If you go to disabilityrights.ca, lots of information there. There's contact there. You can meet the crew, and there's also links to our long running TV show as well, the Disability Law Show, which you can catch. Okay, before we uh, we take a break, what else? Uh, what else? Uh, what are we moving to, Bell? Let's move to uh, a question that was posted on mydisabilityquestions.com from Chris in Chilliwack, uh, in BC. Chris writes, "I've been on disability since March two thousand and twenty." I was told that I have depression, anxiety, and PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. My doctor has kept me off work, and the insurance company says payments are not being made until I go to an IME. An IME, by the way, is an independent medical uh, examination arranged for and paid for by the insurance company. So he writes here, until I get to an I- uh, go to an IME, they won't pay me anymore. And in brackets, he says, which I have no problem doing at all. I am really anxious because I'm worried that they will cut me off completely, and I'm really trying to get better. I never in a million years expected to feel this way, and my job was my life. It is the hardest thing, besides almost losing my son, that I have ever had to deal with. I am still dealing with a chronic illness with him, as he had a transplant in October and is having a grand mal seizures and has memory loss that they are trying to figure out uh, the cause. I relive so much of what happened because it all started with a different strain of coronavirus, and every time I see someone on TV or an ICU or hear about it, I break down. I'm just scared, to be honest, and worried that the insurance company will not support me. John, I mean, that, that kind of an email, you know, breaks your heart. I, I told him, by the way, to contact me, and we've been in touch. I've been emailing with him back and forth and explain to him what his rights are. Look, the insurance company has no right to stop paying him LTD until he goes to an independent medical examination. He has not refused going to one. In fact, he, I think he has one scheduled in, in the very near future. His doctor has said that he should be off work, and he has been off work since March of last year, so over a year now. Why is the insurance company saying, despite what his own doctor says, why is, he, why is the insurance company taking the position that until he goes to see one of their doctors, a psychiatrist, I believe, they're not going to pay him anymore when they've been paying him for over a year? It makes no sense. He has a right to get paid. And as far as I'm concerned, based on everything that I have seen, the insurance company is in breach of its legal obligations to pay this man. Now, they can have him go to see an independent medical examiner. Absolutely, they have a right to. Remember, we've been saying this all along on this show. If your insurance company, if you have an LTD claim, your insurance company wants you to see one of their doctors, you have to go see one of the, you know, the insurance company's doctors. Don't be surprised if the insurance doctor disagrees with your treating doctor. Again, it's not the end of the world. What I would tell you to do at that point is simply get a copy of the report generated by the insurance doctor. Give it to your own doctor. Let your own doctor respond back. So again, this is really important, John. Someone like this gentleman who's doing everything in his power to do what is right, you know, who wants to go back to work, who's trying to comply with everything the insurance company is saying, should not have his benefits cut off. And we can help this gentleman. We will help this gentleman, and we'll make this insurance company pay him exactly what he's owed. 
Short break and right back to it. Uh, questions and answers. Of course, we've uh, we've gone to it already this uh, today. That's how it works. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Phone number toll free anytime. one 821 5900 And you can send along an email. We'll get to some of those here in just a little bit. Help at DisabilityRights.ca. Lots more on the way. Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for hanging in. Disability Law Show. Lots more on the way here. Toll-free number anytime. Get a hold of uh, Savannah or he'll put you up uh, in contact with a member of his team. one 855 Don't uh, hesitate just to call. It's uh, There's no obligation just to have a chat, get some bearings, get some information like we give you every week on this show. You can email as well if you prefer that, uh, that route. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Okay, pal, take it away. John, uh, we were contacted this week by uh, another gentleman here. This this person is 54 years old, and he's worked uh, for a company um, up north in Ontario for about eight months. He was in a car accident in 2018, and he sustained many injuries, serious injuries, because of it. it was, the car accident was not his fault. He received, uh, received short-term disability from his employer, and then he applied for LTD, and he was denied. Now, in the insurance policy... Um, uh, it basically says that he's entitled to LTD so long as he can prove that he's totally disabled, which he is as a result of that car accident. He's also on CPP disability, so that tells you that the federal government has confirmed from their end that he's in fact disabled from working, that he has a severe and prolonged disability. Those are the criteria for getting CPP disability. It's not an easy test to meet. Mm -hmm. Now, he's retained a lawyer already, up there, up north in Ontario, I can't tell you the name of the firm or the lawyer, but the note that I had received from this person is that he wants a second opinion because he has trouble paying that lawyer. He's unable to continue paying. And uh, this is this is kind of crazy, you know. I, I'm I'm bringing this up because, you know, typically when people come to us for second opinions. We always give people second opinions. That's not an issue, uh, but but we're very hesitant to tell someone to jump ship or to change lawyers, especially you know when there is already a claim going on. But again, the red flag here for me is that we're dealing with a car accident that's obviously extremely serious that happened three years ago. We're dealing with a denial of long-term disability, and what I don't understand is why it is that he has a lawyer or a law firm where he's paying them on an ongoing basis. And I say this because the vast majority of lawyers like myself, like my team, when we handle long-term disability claims, personal injury claims, we do so on contingency, which means you don't pay anything, anything up front. If we don't get you know, a dollar at the end of the day for the person, the person doesn't owe us anything, no matter how much time, how much expense we've put into the file. So... When this person is saying, I have trouble continuing paying, of course he does. Unless you're a millionaire and you were injured or you're disabled, you can't afford to hire a lawyer. So, I, you know, I mean, we're speaking with him. We're going to try and help him as much as we can. Again, I always try to tell people, you know, any issues you have with your current lawyer, try and deal with them first. Speak with them first. You know, lawyers should be reasonable. Lawyers should be, uh, um, you know, respectful of their clients. Uh, to me, this is a huge red flag when you're dealing with a disability claim or a personal injury claim where the lawyer has asked for an upfront 
fee. We have never, ever done that in our office, uh, not, not in Ontario, not in BC, not in Alberta, not when we're dealing with long-term disability claims or personal injury claims. So if you're in that situation and, and you know, you're shopping for a lawyer, looking for a lawyer, you're researching for a lawyer, again, from my standpoint, this is a red flag if you have a lawyer or law firm saying you got to put any money down initially because that tells me that the lawyer either doesn't practice in this area or they don't believe in your case. And if they don't believe in your case, how can they possibly represent you as best as, as possible, right? I mean, it just makes no sense. Yeah, that, that point you said there about not practicing in the area, something tells me that could be the case. Because a lot of people, they just think, oh, I got a, I got a lawyer who handles all the stuff for my house or a lawyer that does this for my business. Ah, he's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. He's got that label. He's got that sign on the front of his desk. Maybe I'll just use him. But that's like going to your pediatrician to do a root canal. I mean, you just... <laughs> It's not specific enough. I mean, no, you can't just use a lawyer to do this type of work because, to your point, they don't know the, the finer points of it, right? Yeah. I mean, listen, gone are the days when you have general practitioners. Now, I'm not saying you, yeah. don't, you can't find lawyers, especially in rural areas, that you know do everything. They'll do immigration. They'll do real estate law. They'll do family law, personal injury. But look, the law has evolved. Uh, it's a lot more complex now than it was 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, much like medicine. And, and, you know, my brother is a, is a cardiologist, as, as you know, John, but even mm-hmm. in cardiology, you have subspecialties and sub-subspecialties. Right. Everything is so specialized now. Same thing with law. You want to go, if you have an employment issue, you want to go to an employment lawyer. You have a family issue, you want to go to a family lawyer. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to get the best person. you got to do your research. But for God's sake, I mean, you make sure that if you have... An injury case, if you have a a long-term disability denial situation with your insurance company, you don't go to somebody who says that they do insurance law and family law and immigration law because chances are, chances are, they don't know much about any of these areas. They probably dabble here and there. And by the way, years and years ago, uh, I'm not going to tell you how many because you'll be able to date me, but uh, years and years ago when I was doing my bar ads, when I was still a a law student, uh, you know, we were told... Um, by representative of LawPro, who in Ontario, they're, they're the insurance company for lawyers, uh, we were told that one of the biggest causes for claims, negligence claims against lawyers, is when lawyers dabble in areas where they don't uh-huh. have expertise. Uh, and they told us back then, they said, specialize in whatever areas you specialize, focus on a particular area, and stay away from other areas that you don't know much about, unless you have a lot of guidance, unless you have a mentor. And so, you know, lawyers in my group, we focus specifically on disability law, on long-term disability mm-hmm. and personal injury. And we, of course, we also have employment lawyers at the firm, right? And Lior, my partner, uh, who does the employment law show with you, John, he focuses specifically on employment law. We don't deal with immigration or real estate or anything else. So you want to make sure that you go to someone who really knows what they're doing. And that's what we do. All we do in my group here at ST Law, uh, on my team, is long-term disability. We help people who've been denied unjustly their long-term disability denials and who are struggling with their insurance companies. But, you know, as you mentioned, you you wisely have the whole side with Lior doing employment law because sometimes the two areas are in lockstep with certain cases and you need both and you don't want to go to two different lawyers and go down the street to a different building. It's all in it's all in one place, which is really smart, right? And more convenient, and and you can you know faster for clients as well. I think. Yeah, absolutely, and it's the same thing, you know, with medicine, right? You may have heart issues, but also kidney issues, right? So you want to go to two specialists, and mm-hmm. ideally, you want them to correspond or communicate. 
Um, maybe, you know, we, we may have some doctors listening here saying, you know, bad example, but my point is you want to make sure that you go to the specific individual that has expertise in the area you need help with. You know, if you need a mortgage, you're not going to go to an insurance specialist, right? You're going to go to a mortgage specialist. It's that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's common sense, but some people just rely on, you know, that family friend who's a lawyer, who's a corporate lawyer. Maybe they can help me. You know, they're a lawyer, so maybe they know. You know, when I ask my brother, who's a cardiologist, about uh, issues to do with, uh, you know, other things, I don't know, kidneys, whatever, other things that, you know, some clients are asking me about, he tells me often, look, I can give you general knowledge, but I don't have right. expertise in that area. Uh, and John, you know, one of the things we're going to speak about next here is a gentleman that contacted us uh, who yep. is dealing with a lawyer that doesn't have expertise in the area. And I'll tell you exactly what happens uh, or, or what's happening with that person. And it's 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 not good. It's it's quite tragic. That number is one 821 ca is the website. Go there for more contact and uh, catch links to our television show as well. So I think we've got a couple minutes, right? You could start in on that one. Uh, what's the uh, what's the story there? Okay, then I will start. So, so we got contacted by this gentleman, again, in Ontario. He's a unionized employee. He was denied um, uh, LTD, long-term disability, and is working with the union's lawyer. Now get this, this person is on their second level of appeal. Uh, and you know, he's 60 years old, making $85,000, mm. and the lawyer from the union, remember unions don't have expertise in long-term disability. Lawyers who work for unions, they may have dealt with some disability issues, but they're not experts in this area. And so here you have the situation with a lawyer from the union trying to help this gentleman with a second level of appeal from an LTD denial. And for those listeners you know, here who, who are not, you know, don't have this trigger when I say the word appeal, uh, you know, appeal is a dirty word in my vocabulary when it comes to long-term disability. Because when you're denied long-term disability and the insurance company says to you, you can appeal that decision, you need to understand that you're not appealing it to a third party some kind of an objective committee or a judge. You are literally re-asking the exact same group of people or their colleagues to review the same information you've given them or maybe something slightly different if you've given them you know, new medical information. And you're re-asking them to reconsider their decision. And that's the reason why they almost never come back and tell you that your claim has been approved. Time and time again, I see people appealing these LT denials you know, they may get their, their their response within weeks, sometimes months later, and it's a denial. And they appeal again, and it's a denial. And it's an appeal again, and it's a denial. And they, they waste months, if not years, appealing and reappealing again to the insurance company, thinking that it's some kind of an objective third-party process when it's not. And the reason why we're talking about this, John, is because this person here is working with a union lawyer. And I bet you that union lawyer doesn't understand the appeal process, doesn't understand that this appeal process is a sham. It's an mm -hmm. absolute sham because these appeals go nowhere. Again, I'm sure there's adjusters out there who work for insurance companies who say, no, no, sometimes we do approve these appeals. Yeah, and sometimes people win the lottery. That's true. <laughs> I have yet to see any statistics, any statistics whatsoever, no matter how many times I've asked for those from insurance companies to tell me how many of these appeals are actually successful. And I suspect the reason they're not giving those statistics is because the numbers are extremely low. So before you even think about appealing an LTD denial, reach out to us so we can tell you how to actually 
force the insurance company to pay you in a way that's a lot faster uh, and and a lot more efficient than going through this this uh, sham of an appeal that so many people get trapped in. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, you, you hear these statistics like, oh yeah, they work once in a while, but you also waste a lot of time, and you've got a two-year limitation. Whether that's that's hard and fast when it comes to appeals or not, whether it resets the clock, but it's really not worth going down that road in the first place, is it? No, no. And again, listen, all we're saying is contact us and let's have a chat about your situation. If after speaking with us, you think an appeal is the best route, and by the way, some people do. Some people still say, listen, Sivan or Albert or James, whoever they talk to in my team, uh, they say, listen, I hear you. I appreciate it. Thanks for the tips. I'm going to try the appeal or I've already started the appeal. I want to see what happens. By all means, go ahead and do it. We're never going to pressure you to discontinue an appeal or not to do an appeal. All we're telling you is that in our experience, these appeals are useless. And John, you're absolutely right. You're wasting time, valuable time, because during this period of time where you're reappealing this decision, you're not getting any money from the insurance company. So they're pocketing that money. They're probably using it, you know, to, to pay other claims, whatever, you know, for investments. The point is these appeals for the most part, when, when we're, you know, privy to them, when we see what happens with them, they are useless. And oftentimes people who talk to us, who choose the other way, you know, they choose to do the appeal, they end up coming to us months and months later saying, okay, it failed again, can you help me now? And lo and behold, we resolve these claims in a fraction of the time that it otherwise, you know, would have taken them either with these appeals or if they simply waited forever and, and you know, gotten nothing. It is toll-free to reach out, 1-855-821-5900. Take your time, 1-855-821-5900 to reach out. Just have a chat with Savannah, or a member of his team. The website we always flaunt is disabilityrights.ca. Lots of information there, links to our TV show as well. And then finally, the email is help at disabilityrights.ca. Lots more to go. This is the Disability Law Show. Stick around. Coming right back on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. Disability Law Show. Siv Antomarkin is your guy every week on the show giving you the information and... uh there, ready to have a chat and uh, maybe solve some of your issues for sure. You want to reach out anytime, toll free. Savan's always there and his team. one 821 5900 Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. We always refer to it every show and pick some cases from it and talk about them. That is mydisabilityquestions.com, a free and anonymous service for questions and answers. Searchable database, maybe a question like yours has been asked in the past. If not, leave it there and it will get taken care of, mydisabilityquestions.com. Got a couple emails on the way here very shortly, Savannah, but you have a couple other things uh, quickly you want to discuss. Where are you taking it? Uh, so he, he, here's another question. This one is from uh, Steve in Mississauga, and he writes, I've been on LTD for a year and a half. The insurer has already initiated a change of disability classification and gave us vague or gave me vague info on what's to take place. I requested a copy of the disability contract that shows what the requirements will be to maintain my status as a fully disabled person. I was refused a copy uh, and uh, told to talk to my employer for, for a copy. The employer has stated that it's a management contract only and not for employees. How the heck are you supposed to get a copy? I'd like to know my rights and obligations, yet both deny me a copy of the contract. What can I do? 
So number one, and this is important, you as a claimant are entitled to a copy of your insurance policy. Uh, and that's by law. There's legislation to this effect. And anybody that has a question about this, whether it's in Ontario, BC, or Alberta, feel free to reach out to me. I'll make sure that you get a copy of the law, okay, the actual legislation, the actual provisions in the law that say that you're entitled to your LTD policy. Okay, so the insurance company is not allowed to withhold that, number one. Number two, this person says that he's been on LTD for a year and a half and the insurer has already initiated the change in disability classification. Let's break this down again for people who are not aware of what this means. In most LTD situations, under most LTD policies, for the first two years to get LTD, you have to show that you are disabled from performing the essential tasks of your own occupation. Highlight the word own, your own occupation. Beyond the two-year mark, again, generally speaking, some policies are somewhat different, but generally speaking, beyond the two-year mark, uh, the criteria for getting LTD or for continuing to get LTD changes. It's no longer can you do the essential tasks of your own occupation, it's can you do the essential tasks of any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. And typically, John, we talk about the commensurate income uh, test or or the 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 commensurate income uh, uh, number that we're looking at, and what that means is, typically speaking, if at the two-year mark you can get a job or work in an occupation where you can earn sixty or sixty-five percent, roughly, of your pre-disability income, then the insurance company may be correct in saying that you do not qualify beyond the two-year uh, uh, mark for LTD. Again, may be correct. Every case is different. We have to look at the facts. But typically, that's what we're trying to see. So if you, John, are making, I'm just throwing out a number, 100 grand a year, and at the two-year mark, you can get a job that pays you $70,000, the insurance company may have an argument there that you don't qualify beyond the two-year mark. If, however, you can only work part-time, perhaps work in a, in a you know, I don't know, a lower paying job, let's say you can only make $20,000 at the two-year mark, you're going to have a much stronger argument that you qualify for LTD beyond the two-year mark. So what's interesting to me here with with, uh, with uh, uh, Steve's question is that Steve is, is a year and a half into his LTD policy and the insurance company is already starting the process of talking about that change of definition date, that two-year mark. And the reason it's, it's interesting to me, and this is why I'm bringing this up, is because insurance companies are not necessarily going to wait until that two-year mark to actually tell you that you are cut off. What they'll do is they'll start assessing your skill set. They may send you to some assessments to try and figure out if you can do some other occupation, some other job. Uh, they may then uh, send you a letter that says, we've identified you know 10 other positions that you can do. Right. And John, I get people calling me each and every week or emailing me telling me, my insurance company says that I won't qualify for the any occupation test at the two-year mark, and, you know, and they've given me these other jobs they say I can do. I can't do any of them. You know, I've seen people who are in, in physical labor type jobs that have done physical labor, hard physical labor for 20, 30 years who are 50, 60 years old and are told by the insurance company that now, you know, they should be able to work in some kind of, a, I don't know, computer engineering uh, field. <laughs> like stupid things. Just because this person maybe in their 20s took, a, you know, a programming course in, in college. Yeah. And insurance companies, again, they will do whatever they can to come up with an excuse not to pay you. 
not to pay you at the beginning, not to pay you in the middle, and certainly not to pay you beyond the two-year mark. Do not take those denials at face value. If you believe that you are disabled, you feel you're disabled, you cannot earn 60 or 65% of your pre-disability income around that two-year mark, and your doctor pretty much agrees with you, the insurance company should continue to pay you beyond the two-year mark. And if they don't, if they're giving you hassles, if you have questions, you reach out to us. And we'll have a discussion with you, again, at no cost, at no cost, we'll tell you what you can do, what your options are, and how you should deal with your insurance company. You know, it's interesting. I know we got a break in a couple minutes. Do you think they... I mean, maybe not the day somebody goes on long-term for that uh, beginning of the two-year mark. Do you think it's almost a cookie-cutter response? Like, they have it timed in their file. Okay, we'll do this, do this, and this date we trigger this, and it goes out regardless. I can't see them looking at every single case and going, okay, this guy's almost ready for the two. It almost seems like it's just part of the program. You know, you get that warning coming up to two years, like, this is what's going to happen. These are the jobs you can do. Let's move on. You know, John, remember, uh, we used to have Terry uh, uh, Corcoran. Um, who, who, yeah, we got to get him back. Yeah. We do, we do. <laughs> I've actually been emailing with him this week. He's uh, He's been in the insurance industry for, for several decades. He's retired now. But he's just a, a wealth of information. He's an encyclopedia of, of insurance information. And uh, I think we should have him here because I'm curious to ask that question of him. My gut sense is that uh, it's not necessarily a cookie-cutter approach to every case, but my my sense just from having dealt with so many of these claims and, and with insurance companies, that insurance companies do have certain guidelines that they give their adjusters and, and you know, certain um, uh, protocols of when, you know, to, if not cut people off, when to start the process of trying to see if they can get people off claim. Yeah. And I'm actually curious to ask them about that, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if they do have some kind of protocols in place, uh, some kind of programs or some kind of guidelines that they give their adjusters of, of how to get people uh, to stop getting LTD. Because at the end of the day, think about it. Insurance companies don't make money by paying out claims. They make money by taking in premiums and then denying claims or cutting people off you know, paying as little as possible, if anything at all. And this, and our job is to counter that. Because if an insurance company owes you money, they should pay you that money. They shouldn't be pocketing that money. So I, you know, we're going we're gonna to have him on the show. I'm going to talk to him, and we're going to ask him exactly that question, John. With that, we'll take a short break. We've still got uh, some time to go, but you can reach out anytime, whether the show is on or not. The toll-free number never changes. It's always there for you, one 855 Email help at disabilityrights.ca. And for free questions and answers about your LTD, you know where to go, mydisabilityquestions.com. We'll continue. Still some more time to go. Disability Law Show here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. All right, welcome back. Disability Law Show. Still a bit of time to go. If you're thinking, okay, I want to ask a question now, you can do so anytime. Call toll free. Savan's team is there. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is a way to do that. You can go to help at disabilityrights.ca or the website to get to the uh, to get to the firm is simply disabilityrights.ca. Among other things, at the top you will be able to hit a drop down menu and catch episodes of our Disability Law Show TV program as well. So that's pretty cool. Okay, let's uh, let's take it home, pal. We got about eight or nine minutes to go. What do you got? 
Okay, John, here's another interesting one. This is from Irene, uh, who's, who's a claimant out of BC. She recently transitioned to long-term disability from short-term disability. This was in early June. She was advised by her case manager, get this, she was advised by her case manager that she will be starting a return back to work plan starting on June 28th. So from June 28th until I believe early August, she's going to have this gradual return to work mm-hmm. that the insurance company is now proposing and implementing. But that's not unusual, right? Insurance companies tell people that they're going to be starting a return to work program all the time. Yep. Here's what's unusual. This lady who's 60 years old and is getting just over $1,000 a month in LTD was, in quotes, threatened by her case manager, by her insurance case manager, that if she calls in work sick once, she will not receive LTD. Come on. That is crazy. Again, let's just make sure our listeners understand the context here. When you are on LTD and when you try to go back to work, whether it's on a gradual return to work program, a modified duties, modified hours, whatever, the vast majority of LTD policies, and I can't imagine that this lady's policy is any different, contain a provision that's called a recurrence clause. And mm-hmm. what that means is that if within a certain period of time, you, when you try to go back to work, you're unsuccessful, in other words, you're not ready, you find out that you're simply not ready to go back to work, and you have to go back on LTD, you should be able to go back on LTD, again, with your doctor's support, that the return to work program has failed that you need to go back. And you do that without having to wait the initial elimination period. Again, when you apply for long-term disability, there's always that period of time where uh, you're not getting any money for LTD. It's usually anywhere from 90 days to 120 days, I believe. And when you're dealing with the recurrence clause, in other words, you've been on LTD, you've now tried to go back to work, that has failed, right? You're still too sick to actually go back to work. You want to go back on LTD. You should be able to go back on LTD and receive payments immediately as opposed to waiting that initial uh, elimination period in, uh, that, that, that you had to, 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 you know, to wait for initially. Yeah. Uh, this lady here is being told by her case manager that if she calls in sick while she's trying this return to work program, she will not get LTD. She can't do that. This is crazy. This is basically the case manager telling this lady, once you try to go back to work, you will not get LTD. Because if you call in sick, if you're unable to actually uh, proceed with the return to work program, we're not going to get you back on LTD, right? On payments. This is insane. Now, one of the reasons why this is important to understand is because uh, I do find sometimes that some adjusters I, I are, I mean, they act crazy. They act outside of their roles. Uh, they act in ways that, when an individual comes to us for help in a situation like that, and we go after the insurance company for having failed to pay our client LTD because our client's return to work has failed. Right? They need the LTD, and now they're not getting it. We go after the insurance company legally, not just for the the LTD that our client is owed, but we also ask for, actually, we claim for extra contractual damages, punitive damages, aggravated damages. These are these are these are amounts that we are going after the insurance company for to punish the insurance company. And we've had quite a few cases in our office where insurance companies have resolved claims with our clients in negotiations with us 
where they have been forced to pay additional amounts of money to our clients for the behavior of their adjusters, for the way that they've behaved, for, for, for the fact that they've dealt with, with our clients in a cruel way, in a high-handed way, in a malicious way. And, and I'm using those words because those are words that were used traditionally by courts across mm-hmm. Canada when they've awarded punitive damages against insurance companies. Yeah, but so again, if you're in a situation like that, you're dealing with an adjuster that is simply uh, a threatening, bullying, you should not be subjected to that kind of behavior and you should be contacting us so we can tell you how to deal with that kind of an adjuster. Yeah, but I mean, threatening after just saying, you know, one day if you call in sick, I mean, who's your claims adjuster, Tony Soprano? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's I mean, one think, day, huh? come on, that's, that's, you know, that's punitive damages if I've ever heard a case of, you know? Yeah, and you know, what I would tell this lady here, and, and we did tell her, is that uh, she should be responding back to this adjuster in writing by yes. email saying, you know, I spoke to you on this and this day. This is what you told me. You've threatened me that if I call in sick once, I'm not going to get LTD. Uh, I'm very concerned by that. I- I'm going to try and go back to work. I'm going to do my best. You know, my doctor thinks I'm ready to try to go back. But if I'm not able to, I will let you know and I will let my employer know and I will let my doctor know. So in other words, document your conversation with your adjuster in writing by email. It doesn't matter if the adjuster responds. That's irrelevant. In fact, it's even better that they don't respond because then you can take that to mean that they don't take any issue with the position that you've put in your email. Uh, But it's important that if you are threatened or bullied uh, or in any way subjected to this kind of behavior by an insurance company, that you contemporaneously, right, the same day if possible, email your adjuster and confirm that this is what was said say this is what was said this is how it's impacting me let your doctor know especially if it's increasing your anxiety if it's if it's you know exacerbating your your uh, disability or medical condition especially if it's a psychological issue you're dealing with make sure it's in writing and make sure you do this not a month after the conversation make sure you do this you know the same day or the next day at the latest the more this documentation you have contemporaneous uh, communications the more that's going to be to your benefit, to your advantage down the road if you contact us and we have to take them on and we have to go after them for the money that they, 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 you know, that they owe you. Yeah, I've got about a minute and a half, maybe two left, Savannah. Take it home. Some final thoughts before we, uh, we let everybody go. I, you know, I want to reiterate, John, and I do this, I think, on every show, the radio show, the TV show, that people have a lot more power than they think. People believe that they are at a disadvantage when it comes to dealing with their insurance companies because insurance companies are professional entities. These adjusters, that's what they do for a living. You can't fight an insurance company. It's a billion-dollar behemoth. No, that's not true. That's simply what they want you to think. And I'm telling you this as somebody who used to work for insurance companies. You have a lot more power than you think when you're dealing with an insurance company. That doesn't mean that the insurance company is always wrong, but it means that if you feel that your insurance company has done something wrong, that they're not honoring their obligations under your policy of insurance, whether it's long-term disability, car insurance, health insurance, travel insurance, home insurance, whatever, you have a right to enforce it. Now, it may not be practical, right? If the insurance company owes you a thousand bucks, it may not be practical to go after them legally, but if you're supposed to get long-term disability, you know, you're 50 years old, you're 60 years old, you're 40 years old, and you're owed a thousand bucks a month, or two thousand, or three thousand. I mean, just add that up. Just imagine what would happen if you walked away from that money. You could be walking away from tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of dollars. Don't make that mistake. That's when you contact us. We have a conversation again at no cost, at no charge. We'll tell you what your options are. 
then you'll be empowered, then you'll decide how you want to proceed. And that'll pretty much do it for the day. You want to reach out now that we are complete, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. The email address we use is help at disabilityrights.ca. The website also disabilityrights.ca with links to our TV show as well. And we always pull a bunch of uh, fantastic questions every week from a website that is free and anonymous, mydisabilityquestions.com. That'll do it. We'll catch you next time. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.